Welcome folks, tonight I'm going to be dealing with a, a topic that might sound a little bit strange, but I'm dealing on the topic of what is your worth? What is your worth? You see, one of the problems in the body of Christ is this, is we don't know what our worth is. Now, the problem with that is a very simple one. If I don't know what I'm worth or my value, then I am going to be limited in doing what God has called me to do. You see, what has happened is this, is Adam and Eve, when they fell, one of the biggest things that they lost when they fell in the garden was they lost the image who they had, who they were in Christ, in God. When God was there and they were walking in that glory, they had an image of who they were. Remember when they fell, suddenly they were naked. They'd never seen that before. They'd never experienced that. They'd never experienced fear before. So all of a sudden, they lost that image of who they were. And so one of the things that Satan will do with you as a Christian is to attack your self-worth. And the reason why he does that is to simply stop you from fulfilling the very thing that God has called you to do. Now this is a huge problem in the body of Christ. Why is it a problem in the body of Christ? It's because, number one, people are jealous. People get jealous when people start standing up for the right, solid reasons. The minute people start standing up, some guy who is lazy or who doesn't really want to do something will start finding fault with you. Have you noticed every time you start doing something, somebody always has a problem? Come on, have you ever tried that? Stand up and confess something very radical and some oak will come and tell you why it's wrong. And tell you why you can't do that. You know, I often get this where I say, God spoken to me and I said I must do this. And then immediately I have ten people telling me why I can't do it. Then I know it's God. So I'm straight away then I go, well if it's impossible for man, it must be possible for God. So I'm on the right track, so let's go do this. I actually would have a problem if everybody agreed, no, that's the right thing. Everybody's going, yes, yes, you should do that. But I want you to know something, that if you do not know your worth, nobody else is going to help you with it. It's a very valuable lesson. Write this down. If I do not determine my worth, nobody else will. If you do not sit down and say, I am capable of this, this is what God has called me for, and I'm not ashamed of who I am. You are never going to fulfill what God has intended you to do. Because your friends, your family, everybody around you will start determining your worth. Look at Jesus when he went back to his own town. They go, sorry, we can't accept this from him. He's Jesus, you know, Joseph's son. He was a jommy, he used to play soccer with us. There's no way that he's the Messiah. They determined his worth. They dictated that, listen, in society, you don't fit into this mold, so therefore you are only worthy of this. And you know the problem is this, is the world and Satan will make sure that there is a value attached to you. And my problem is this, is we have got this mentality. If ten people come and tell me something, then maybe they're right. Come on, who's ever felt like that? Yes, surely, so many people are telling me the same thing. Maybe they are right. I want to tell you right now, maybe they're all wrong. 
What are they measuring you by? Are they measuring you by God's calling on your life, God's gifting on your life, or are they measuring you by their gifting? You see, this is a problem with a lot of people. We measure people by our own measuring rod. We measure them by what we think is right and what we think is wrong. And yet God says that every single person is unique. And you should be measured by what you are called to do. And what God has put inside of your life and in your heart. Your abilities and gifting should be your measuring yardstick. So this is why I say to you, set a value on your own life. Say, listen, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was very interesting, if you go through the New Testament, how many times the disciples prayed for boldness. How many times you see them say this, listen, God give us boldness so that we can preach the the gospel with boldness, not being affected by what anybody says or does. What are they saying? We have got a worth. We are worthy of speaking this gospel. We are worthy of standing up and addressing the leadership of the time. Now you must understand, these disciples were fishermen. They were not educated PhDs. They were considered the lower type guys, the roughies. And yet God goes and He takes the skamonkles and He trusts the entire church with them. And he did not rely on the eloquent, dynamic, educated guys. He said, you disciples are going to carry the church. And guess what? They had to find some worth in themselves. Can you imagine standing in front of a president and saying, listen, I'm worthy to talk to you because I've been sent by the Lord Jesus Christ. See, most of us back off when it comes to the things of God because we think we're not worthy. We think that we have to achieve something. The Bible does not say anything about achieving something. He's asking you to be who you are. And if you are called to do something, there is an anointing and ability in your life that nobody else can copy. So let's have a look in the Bible, in David's life. I love the story of David. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 10 to 13. And I want to read some of these stories. It says, Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Samuel said to Jesse, Are all the young men here? Then he said, Well, there remains yet the youngest, but he's out there looking after the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send for him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. So he says, Go and call him, and we're not sitting down. It's quite tough when your dad forgets that you're a son. Guess what? Jesse is putting a worth on David. Come on. Jesse is putting a worth on David. He goes, listen, David's not really worth standing up here. He's not, he, there's no ways he can be in line with being king. So he puts a worth on him. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with, blue eye, uh, with bright eyes, good looking. He obviously had blue eyes. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose and went to Ramah. Okay, so we know the story. He now gets anointed. And off Samuel goes 
And guess where David goes? Back to looking after sheep. Right? But there is a worth that comes inside of David. He starts putting a worth on himself against everybody's opinion. Look what happened in 1 Samuel chapter 17, 20-32. Now look what happens. So David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with the keeper, and took the things that went and went as Jesse had commanded him. Jesse said, listen, I want you to go and take some stuff to your brothers. They're in the front line, I want you to go and take them some stuff. And he came to the camp that the army was going out to fight and shouting for the battle. For, the, for Israel and the Philistines had lined up in battle array, army against army. David left his supplies in the hands of the supply keeper, ran to the army, and came and greeted his brothers. Here he is, very excited. He comes, he says, I've come to give you food. I've come to say hello. How are you doing, my pals? And he's very happy to see his brothers. Then as he talked to them, there was the champion, the Philistine. Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke according to the same words. And so David heard him. So David listened to this Philistine talking across the way. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. Can you imagine? Yes, David listening to this guy and seeing the army running away to go away. Can you imagine? Now remember, David was not old yet. They reckon he was about 18 years old. But now look what happens. Verse 25. So the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who came up? Surely, surely um, he has come up to defy Israel, and it shall be that no, that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter, and give his father's house exemption from taxes of Israel. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What? shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the approach from Israel. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in the same manner saying, so shall it be done for the man who kills him. So in other words they tell him again, they say listen whoever kills him gets three things he gets riches, he gets the daughter and he gets tax exempt. Now look at the next verse, very, very critical. Verse 28. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the other men. Eliab's anger rose against David and he said, Why do you come down here? Hey, little snotty brother, what are you doing here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? You know, now the brother's just getting mad at them and saying, Listen, what are you doing here? You should be looking after the sheep. Now, who's taking care of the sheep? I know your pride and insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the fight. Let me tell you something. There is a brother that is scoldering him, puts him back in his place. He says, But you're only a shepherd boy. Go back to your sheep. Leave the war to the men. So, what was happening? His brothers were busy putting a value on him. And he turned, sorry, and then David said, 29, What have I done now? 
Is it not a cause? In other words, hey guys, what are you, why are you moaning at me? What have I done wrong? I just came to listen and do what dad said. Now you're shouting at me. He says, but isn't there a cause here? Isn't there a reason to fight? Then he turned from him towards another and he said the same thing. And his people answered him in the, as the first ones did. Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul and he sent for him. In other words, now Saul heard, listen, isn't there a cause to fight for? That was enough to go right through the ranks and get up to Saul's ears. And David said to Saul, let no man heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. No problem, I'll go and sort it out. Let me tell you something. Here comes an 18 year old who has value in himself. He says, listen, this guy has defiled the living God. I will do it if nobody else will. Against his dad's molding, against his brother's molding, against everybody who just thought that he was a joke. And he stood up and he says, I have value. I killed a lion and I killed a bear. And now I'm going to take this guy's head off. I want you to know, God expects us to put a value on our own lives. Another story. I'm not going to read the scripture, I'll give you an example. You know the story of Joseph. What value did his brothers do to him? Listen, you are absolutely nothing, we will kill you. The brothers wanted him dead. They were working out a plan to kill him. Except for Judah. Judah did one thing. He says, let's not kill him, let's sell him. We can make money out of this deal. Judah just is a schemer. He permanently just makes money. Um, he's a really good conniver. He goes, let's not kill this guy. Let's just sell him. Joseph ends up in, in Egypt like we know. And look what happens with Joseph. Joseph puts worth on himself. Because let me tell you something, if he did not put worth on himself, Potiphar would never have made him head of his own. Come on, if you've got a bunch of slaves here, and the guy doesn't stand strong and stand firm and be decisive, you would never make him the head of your own, would you? Of all you've got. Then when he ends up in prison, he becomes the head of the prison. You see, there is a time when you need to realize God has installed things in your life and you have got to get this thing sorted out. I am worth something. I need to sit with God and say, God, what have you equipped me for and what am I worthy to stand up for? Because God has got a plan for you. And this is a problem. Satan is busy lying to the body of Christ and saying, you're not worthy. You, you've done this, you've done that, and whatever else. And let me tell you what's worse. He uses your spiritual brothers to help assault you. Just stand up and just see how many of the brothers decide you're not good enough. I want to tell you right now. If God has called you to do something, only you can do it. And you have got to take responsibility for the thing that God has called you for. And do not make an excuse for it ever again. You need to sit down and say, this is the word of God on my life. This is what I'm called to do. And I will do it. And I'll do it properly. And whether you like it or not, I'm sorry for you. Because you don't have to answer for God before God one day, saying, why did you not do the thing that I called you for? So I want to tell you right now, when you leave here tonight, go and sit before God and say, God, what is my worth? The Bible clearly says you must set your own worth. And I'm going to show you. When you look at the spies, 
Listen to this. I love these, these 12 spies that go out. Ten of them come back in Numbers chapter 13, 33. And it says, And there were great giants. The descendants of Anak came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so were we in their sight. I want to ask you, who saw them as grasshoppers? Themselves. How many times have you got a situation where you think that you're not worthy? How many times have you got a situation and go, well, I don't have a right to say something. Who am I to stand up and do something? Let me tell you something. If you don't start standing up and doing it, God's going to hold you accountable for the thing He called you to do. What is the result of these guys who saw themselves as grasshoppers? Guess what? They never saw the inheritance. Only two saw themselves as God sees them. They said, listen, if God's with us, we'll sort this out. How many times did that crowd see God with us? Come on, every single move. This was not the new generation. This was the old generation. Every time they get down to the, to the Red Sea, they see God with a pillow of fire. I mean, that was enough to impress anybody. If I had a wall of fire permanently behind me, I would have taken out my marshmallows, I'm telling you, first step. But if you know me well enough, you'd know that I would have done that. But the point is, just to see a pillar of fire behind me and the Egyptian army on the other side, that would have been enough for me, man. Then to see the Red Sea split. Then to see God feed me or drinking water in the desert out of nowhere for enough for three million people, then to feed me, then me never getting sick for years, suddenly they would have realized, hang on, you realize none of us have been sick since we've been out here. Nor have our shoes and clothes worn out. Come on, there's enough stuff happening here for us to take note. Okay, something is happening here. So Joshua and Jacob are the two guys who go, listen, if you've done it for them, for us before and for Moses, you can do it for us again. God, you said we can take this land. So we go in there. They, what is their report? They go, yes, these guys are big. They've got fortified cities. But without God, all things are possible. Amen. See, so what they did was they go, listen, my self-image, my worth is we can take that. What I really enjoyed the most was it Caleb who said, give me my mountain. Well, at the end, I mean, the oak's 80 years old, and the first thing he does is, okay, Joshua, give me my mountain. I still, I'm just as fit as I was 40 years ago. I'm going to go and clap a few giants, clap a few heads, beat up the neighborhood. I'm taking the tough ground. Just give me that mountain. I smock, going to go and sort out there. You know what? He had worth. It's not an arrogance. It's not a prideful boasting. It is knowing what God has called you to do. And you do not make an excuse for what God has gifted you to do. See, I'm telling you right now, if Christians understood this message, we would not be having a bunch of wimps running around, going, well, I can't do this for God, and I can't do that for God, and I can't... Well, I'm so glad that I'm not you one day standing before God and having to answer for all the things you've got excuses for. Even Moses tried that one. Oh God, I can't go deliver those people. I can't even speak properly. Okay, don't worry, I'll send Aaron with you. He just gets rid of the excuses. 
The other guy, who also had his self-image issue, was old Gideon. I love Gideon. Judges chapter 6, 14 to 15. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours. Listen to this. God's telling Gideon, Go in your own might. Not in my supernatural anointing. Go in your own might. And you shall save Israel from the head of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? In other words, you go in the thing that I have given you. Not a special treat. Check at his response. O Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. And I'm still least in my father's house. So already we are like two counts out. <laughs> we're in the frottest neighborhood. Look, we're not going to make it. Look, our, our bunch is not so hot. And of the household, I'm still the frottest of the household. So, listen God, are you very sure you're choosing me? You know what always impressed me about this story? Remember he negotiates with God? But the next sec- second new year that the guy's got like how many was it? 32,000 in his army or something. He got the whole gang together. I still thought, quite impressive for a guy who's so scared he didn't want to say anything. Eh? He decided, well, look, if I'm going to get forces, let's get this thing properly. And he goes, this massive crowd, and God reduces it down to 300. God's going, listen, relax. I want to tell you something. Many of us are like Gideon. God says, I want you to do something. Oh no, God, it can't be you. I'm not worthy. I'm not, you know, make all these excuses. And God's going, in your own might, the gifting that I've given you, the calling that I'm giving you, I'm calling that thing forth in Jesus' name. And you are going to have to fulfill that thing because God says the body of Christ needs everybody's gifting to operate. In 1 Peter it says that we all have a gifting and we must minister that gift to the body of Christ. And if you make an excuse for your gift, you are going to be in trouble for it one day. And sitting down and going, I'm not worthy is not an excuse. Because you have not put a worth on yourself. In Proverbs chapter 23 verse 7, he has the key. For as a man thinks in his own heart, so is he. As he thinks in his own heart, so is he. I am but a grasshopper. Oops, I've lost my inheritance. Or, you Philistine, how dare you speak against God? I'm going to vooker you and your cousins. (laughs) An 18 year old, standing against the Goliath, had to have a revelation of who he was. Come on. If the entire army who are trained warriors and trained guys run away, and here comes an 18 year old, David had red hair by the way, red hair, Roy Kopp comes, rocks up there, and goes, You are going to die today. He knew who he was in God. He knew that God had spoken to him and developed giftings and had done stuff. Remember the Bible says that from the time Samuel anointed him, the Holy Spirit was with him from that day as a youngster. That's how he could kill a bear and kill a lion and practice. You know, nobody else was around. Yes, you're going to mess with my sheep? I'm going to sort you out. That's what he did. You can imagine David sitting there. You know, it's like 
he's mighty man. You're going to mess with my pea patch? Yes, I'll sort out this whole army. It is because there is a worth inside of them that they sit down and know who they are in Christ. You have got a calling and ability to fulfill anything that you need to do. And God has called you for a specific assignment and you don't need to make an excuse when you stand up in that calling. Do you know how many times people have said to me, listen Arthur, you mustn't be so radical, you must tone it down, you must be like this. They're trying to mold me into these boxes. I try. At least for the first three sentences. Now, I really do. I, I mean, I try. I go to some churches and I know that I, mustn't, I must be diplomatic and nice and sweet. Ach, but by the time the fifth sentence goes, it's just, ach, well, bad luck. And I'm not being ugly. It's my calling. It's what God has called me to do. God has called me to shake some cages. Your holy cows are going to be rattled. I promise you, I'm here to shake stuff. I'm not your comfort preacher. Let's find another one. I'm here to grow you up. I'm here to raise up the army of Christ, equip the body of Christ to do what they are meant to do. That's my job. And sometimes it means surgery. Sometimes you walk out of here bleeding. And you go, yes, that was terrible, that was sore, I've got to repent. That's fine. Repentance isn't a bad thing. I have to do it lots too. But the thing is this. I cannot make an excuse for who I am. I cannot make an excuse for what God has given me to do. I cannot make an excuse for the anointing of my life. And you cannot do it either. So tonight, I want to ask you a simple question. What is your worth? Are you seeing yourself as a grasshopper? Or are you still seeing yourself as Gideon? I'm the least of the least and everybody agrees with you. Or are you actually in the midst of the pressure? Jesus Christ did it. Where he stood up and he walked against the pressure of his family. Against the pressure of the religious folk. Against the whole crowd. I mean there are some guys who really took pressure. You guys think we got pressure? We don't have any clue what pressure is. I personally want to go and shake Noah's hand. That oak had pressure. The entire world was against him. The whole world. Can you imagine what you must have felt like? You're the only one that is doing what God called you to do. And guess what? Not only did he do what God called him to do, he really was obedient in what God told him to do. Not once do you see God had an issue with Noah. He had an issue with a lot of people. But he never had an issue with Noah. Why? Noah heard what God wanted and did it. And he was not ashamed, no matter what ridicule came, no matter what anybody said. And when he turned out to be right, I bet you that he did not sit down and go, Cray for you. I might have done that. But he didn't. He still felt sorry for everybody. Because they did not repent. But by then he had no control. I want to challenge us tonight. Sit before God and say, God, what is the giftings? What is the talents? What is the abilities that you've called me to? What are the prophetic words over my life? And if God has called you to do something or be something, start calling yourself that even if you're not there yet. If God has said, listen, you're going to be this great musician or whatever, then start calling yourself, listen, I'm a great muser. Are you there yet? No. 
but I'm calling things that are not as if they are. I'm going to start calling that stuff in my life, and I'm not ashamed of who I am, because that is who God called me to be. If you're called to be a businessman, I'm a great businessman, I'm a wealthy businessman, I'm doing what God called me to do. Whatever it is that God called you to do, you better start getting into that mode and that mindset. Because nobody else is going to give you your worth. And what's scary is this. A lot of people never reach their potential even if they know what God called them to do because of this. They go, I'm just never worthy to step out. Oh no, who am I to sit down and head this thing up? Who am I to lead this thing? Who am I to go and say something? You're not allowed to say that anymore. If you've got prophetic words of your life that you've given you a clear-cut thing of who you are, you better start being that in Jesus' name. And do not make an excuse for it. And if somebody has an issue with that, they must go and sort it out with God. And I don't mean being arrogant and calling yourself like, I'm now suddenly the president and God never said you must be the president. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about genuinely to what you are called to do. And if you're not sure, we need to get you under prophetic word and prophetic ministry so that you get to know what God has called you to. I always encourage people, go and get as many prophetic words as you can from different people, record it, type it out, and see what the trend is. And if you start getting five or six or seven saying the same thing, there is a very good chance you're supposed to be doing that thing. Okay? So start working on that thing and start calling that thing into your life. Because you need to start creating your own worth. See, I do not want to get to a stage where we've got this strong leader and then this whole bunch of weak people around. That's not God. I love David's picture. Where he's got this bunch of mighty men, everybody mighty in their own strength, knowing who they are in their own strength and own ability, coming together to form this awesome army. Let me tell you something, you did not want to go against David's army. You know, it's like, 500 of them against a million. When you check the figures, I mean, one guy takes out 32,000 people. I mean, that's quite a hectic feat for one oak when he gets mad and all he was doing is fighting over a pea patch. Genuine, I mean, these guys were something else to see. But yet, they were mighty in their own right. I need you to be mighty in your own right, knowing what God called you for, and do not be ashamed of what God has called you to do. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you right now that you are raising up men and women who are of worth. Lord, I pray right now that you'll minister to us and bring us to the place of destiny and purpose in our lives. And Lord, when we come before you, we will not be ashamed of what you have called us to do. And Lord, right now, I pray for every single person in this building and those listening to my voice. I pray right now, Lord, that you will stir us to go and find out what you see in us. Lord, that we will set ourselves in line with what your word says, and what the prophetic word is over our lives, what is your destiny over our lives. Father, I thank you right now. As a man thinketh in his heart, so easy. Lord, let us think of who we are in you, and exactly in line with what you have created us to be in Jesus' name. And Lord, right now, I thank you that we will start standing up in the body of Christ, and we will start taking our part in the body, and start making a difference wherever we go. In Jesus' mighty name, I thank you for that. Amen. 
Thank you, folks, for listening to today's message. I trust that you are blessed by it. If you would like to receive these message links directly to your phone, please WhatsApp me on my direct number, 082-659-2224, or if you have any questions that I might be able to help you with. And remember that we've got many, many other resources available for you. So please have a look at our website, www.fathersheart.co.za. Also, subscribe to our podcast by going to iTunes and search for Arthur Frost and subscribe to my sermons podcast. May we be richly blessed as we apply the truth of God's word as he reveals it to us. Many blessings and God bless.